podcast about music, pro wrestling, and combat sports. I'm your host, Kay Fresh, and we got a lot to talk about this week. But before we get into everything, I just want to uh, always remind you that you can always help spreading the word of Fresh is the Word by going to our website, freshisthepodcast.com, and uh, you know sharing any of the links on there. I do have a new music column on there called in my inbox that uh, showcases just new stuff that maybe people don't are not aware about. Um, you can also go to Instagram or Twitter and, uh, and uh, follow us at Fresh is the Word One. That's Fresh is the Word, then the number one. Or you can go to Facebook and go to facebook.com slash Fresh is the Podcast and give us a like. And make sure you search uh, for uh, uh, Fresh is the Word on iTunes and uh, give us a five-star rating. It'll definitely help us out. If you want to support the podcast in any way, you can also go to freshestthepodcast.com. Click on the link that says Fresh is the Podcast. And, you know, there's uh, PayPal donations that you can make. Um, also, there's an Amazon link. If you ever want to buy anything on Amazon, use that link, and it will they'll shoot, shoot me back uh, some commission. I won't change anything on your end. It'll just uh, shoot me a few pennies uh, my way. Just a bit of a programming note, uh, next week will be uh, Thanksgiving, so I'm going to take the week off, no episode next week, but we'll be back the following week uh, to you know talk about all the stuff that's happening in uh, pro wrestling, MMA, and music. And like always, welcome my co-host, Detroit hip-hop artist, um, MMA and pro wrestling connoisseur, and proud Marine, V-Styles. Hey. How you doing, bro? What's going on? What's going on, everybody? How y'all doing? What's up, friends? How you doing, man? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. We had a very exciting weekend with uh, UFC uh, 205. And I just got one question for you, man. What's up? Where the fuck is my second belt? (laughs) (laughs) Where the fuck is my belt? (laughs) Yeah, man. You know, uh, good for Connor, man. You know, he's a... a multiple weight class world champion at featherweight and lightweight. You know, well deserved. Definitely. Well deserved. Yeah, yeah, before we get into the uh, UFC talk, uh, there's a few little stories I want to uh, share with you. A few things that's happened the few, uh, past few days has been actually kind of hilarious. Um, okay. The next night after, because me and you, you know, uh, watched two of, um, UFC two hundred five together, your crib. Uh, the next night, yep. I I, um, I went down to Toledo to uh, go see this uh, rock band, uh, September Morning. They're kind of this mix uh-huh. of a hard rock band and like a 
art project and a graphic novel because they have like comics and stuff like that. It's like super cool, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and uh, and I had a really good time with the show. The funny thing was is like after I was leaving, uh, I I couldn't get back onto uh to I I seventy five at all because there was like there there's construction on every ramp to get onto I-75 in Toledo for miles. So like Yeah, it is. So officially like Toledo might be the most annoying with uh, road uh, construction, you know. It's it's up there with Michigan. Uh Yeah. Yeah. And the funny thing was is that in doing this and this okay, this is a Sunday night. This is okay, this is about Sunday night 11 a 11 p.m., 11:30 p.m., almost midnight. It's it's making me drive all around Toledo downtown Toledo, mm-hmm. the outskirts of it. And basically Toledo is dead on a Sunday night. There's nothing going on. There's one thing going on though. Strip clubs. <laughs> <laughs> All that's open in Toledo on a Sunday night are strip clubs. And and they actually have like almost in comparison to a lot of strip clubs here in uh, like the Detroit area, they mm-hmm. they actually have like full like parking lots to be able to like park in, you know, even, even, even the, um, the, the music venue I went to, uh, to see September morning, there was a deja Mm -hmm. vu right next door. (laughs) A deja, hey, hey, man, hey, they're a brand, they're national. (laughs) Right, man. And I'm like, so they're literally, and this isn't just like one or two strip clubs. I saw at least five just like going all around because I, cause I literally had to take the back road. I had to like go on my phone, get directions and take the back roads to get into Michigan. Then I was able to cut over to uh, I-75 and, but, uh-huh. but okay. But the one thing that was kind of weird though, and tell me if this is weird and a little creepy though, I was driving around and there was this one road. It was kind of off the beaten path and there really wasn't much on this road, but all of a sudden I see an adult bookstore and there's a bunch of cars there on a at like midnight on a Sunday night. Is it weird that there's a an adult bookstore open at midnight with a bunch of people there on a Sunday night? Very, very <laughs> weird. Very weird to find. Uh, yeah, wow. Especially on a Sunday night. That's great. Like you, you really couldn't wow. wait for normal business hours on Monday to go get your porn. Like there's like, like I can understand the strip club thing, but. Like an adult bookstore. <laughs> yeah, you got to be a special type person to to, to try to find them bookstores uh, that doing doing business hours, man. But believe me, there's a lot of them type weirdos out there, man. Right, man. I, didn't, I mean, I, not to say not to say that you're a weirdo if you do that, but yeah, you are a weirdo. But uh, <laughs> yeah, that's uh, hey, they 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 need their place where they can find what they need. Uh, that's just best way to look at it right i didn't yeah <laughs> i didn't know there was like an after hours adult bookstore crowd you know like <laughs> yeah, you, should, you should try going down south you would be amazed you'd be amazed <laughs> at the peep shows that you see <laughs> that's it that was crazy but then okay then mm-hmm. um then then uh today i was like i got up and i had to uh, go run some errands and i realized the other day that like I really needed to get a, a new pair of shoes. I'm not like a sneakerhead, like a lot of our friends, I, you know. I read that. I read that your, your ankles and your feet was hurting. What's going on, bro? Yeah, th- this is my this is my thing with like like my like 
I'm this type of person. I'm not like a sneakerhead. I might have like one or two pairs of shoes at all times to wear, but oh, I wear oh. them till they wear out. And I never and I and it always creeps up on me. Like I never know when it's gonna happen. And it just all of a sudden, like my knees, my ankles, and my feet just all of a sudden start hurting. And that's when I know oh. I need new shoes. But it always creeps up on me, and it's always so super annoying. And so, mm-hmm. so I, I always ha- I have like my I have a one spot that I usually go to in this instance. I always go to the Nord, Nordstrom uh, sales rack in Troy. Okay, and I, I do that too. Yeah, I love that place because I can always find shoes that are different than what everybody else has, and mm-hmm. and I can usually find them at a really good deal. So I was able to find I got these uh, these all black Nikes today. I forget what kind of brand they are or like what kind of what kind of nikes they are but they, they they're mm-hmm. kind of like athletic ones and stuff but they're all black they look really cool then i got these like suede okay. then i got these like suede like uh converse like chuck taylor's that looks super sweet oh. so i love chucks man i love that that that's a classic style that will never ever go out of style and the funny thing is, is like like i said i'm not like a sneakerhead, but every time i go get something at Nordstrom's, I always find something where people will be like, "Where the fuck you get that?" Indeed, indeed, <laughs> they don't think they don't they don't think to look on the rack. Right. They don't think to look on the, on those racks, and sometimes those racks have gems on them. And if you find that gem, good for you. Right, man, it was crazy, and I was like, so I just looked at it. And I'm like, oh, sweet. Like I always find shit like that over there, at Nordstrom mm-hmm. sales rack, and then like, and then like I, you know, I just after. Every time I'm over there, I end up over at Somerset Collection. I never shop there though. I just go there mm-hmm. to walk around. Basically, what I realized today is that like Somerset is like my Somerset is like my breakfast at Tiffany's. I just go there and window shop. Like <laughs> that's my getaway. Right. Whenever I whenever I want to, you know, I mean, there's a lot of Starbucks around here, man. But I just. You know, it's nothing. It's nothing like being around money. Just the air of, just the air of Somerset just kind of makes me happy. I, I, I when I'm out there, think, when I when I'm out there thinking, man, that that, that that you know, my my clarity, you know, comes true. I mean, I'm like, wow, man, you know, go out to Somerset and you can come up with a plan, man. But yeah, I feel you on that. I like, I like Somerset too. Right? Yeah. It just it it looks pretty. There's nobody just... too. Yeah. Nobody's dope too. Right. Yeah. And you just like go there and you, and you, um, you just go there and you, and for me, I, I sort of like have this appreciation for the, like the art, you know, the artistic value of a lot of like some of the more expensive clothes that I see there and stuff that, mm-hmm. that in some of the places where I'm like, all right, this looks, I'm like, I, I like, I like the idea. I like where this is coming from, you know? So it, yeah, it is a super like great place to, you know, you know, get your mind right and sort of think up of stuff and everything. Oh, but this was the funniest part though of my whole experiences. And I, um, and I posted it on my Instagram. They have a Chick-fil-A there now. And Oh, dude, I've seen the line. Man. There really? was like a hundred people in line today, dog. I think they overrated. That's just my opinion. I Look, mean, I, I think, I think they're cool, but you know, it's not like, Nothing like I, you know, similar to how they made Wahlbergs out to be. I thought Wahlbergs would be the second coming of the next great hamburger joints. And you go in there, and really the only thing on there that that's different is the tater tots. 
you know, you, you get to get have tater tots and you know instead of fries. But you know, I, I I'm down south a lot. There's a lot of Chick Fil A's down there. And, you know, you hear I would have my friends talk about it. And we go there, and it's like this is what y'all really tripping about. This, this I mean, it's okay, right? But I'm not about to be a hundred, two hundred deep in line just to get for some fucking Chick Fil A's. Fuck that. I'm good. Right, man. I I don't no dis, no diss to the brand, but nah. <laughs> no. I don't got that. I don't got that much time for chicken, man. I, I'm not standing in that line. I I was walking around. I'm like, wait, what's this line for, man? Now I see Chick Fil A. I'm like, are you for real? I stand in line like that to pay my cable bill or to get my registr my <laughs> registration tax. But <laughs> <laughs> other than that, man, uh, you know, chances of me being in line that long is uh, slim and none. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. All right, All right. slim and none. <laughs> uh, nice, nice. So, um, moving on, um. For this week's podcast, I actually have a guest for it, uh, and I, you know, I mentioned to it, you mentioned it to you before. Uh, it's a uh, um, former TNA wrestler, uh, Sanjay Dutt, the the original player from the Himalaya. Oh yeah, you sure did tell me about that. Yeah, so uh, I'm gonna get into that uh, to that uh, interview later on. I'll just cut it in and whatever uh, later okay. on, but I. Uh, but it was cool. Me and him like talked about you know because he made his rap debut earlier on this year on one of his homies' records. So we talked about hip hop and then talked about the indie scene and his best his best times in uh, in TNA. You know he was part of that really mm -hmm. cool core uh, core group with like AJ Styles and Samoa Joe mm -hmm. and Christopher Daniels that were part of that uh, X division that was really the backbone of TNA for many of those early years. X division was shit. Man. Yeah. Missed them days. Yeah, like that, that classic match between AJ Styles, Samoa Joe, and Christopher Daniels was like, it's still Christopher Daniels is so underrated. He He's a person that don't get talked about, and he should, man. But yeah, I, I remember that match. I remember yeah. that. Definitely, Hell of a match. Definitely Christopher Daniels is one of, he's one of the most underrated and slept on, you know, wrestling talent. And he's cool right now, and he's in ROH right now uh, with uh, Frankie Kazarian as a tag ring, team. Here we honor? Yeah. Are they still on uh, locally the same station uh, here? Because I haven't seen them uh, no, lately they, on TV. No, they don't have – Um, well, they're on that uh, that's, that, that station. That TV? No, that – Pop TV is where TNA is at. Um. Okay. ROH is on uh, a station called, uh, I think, let me see. It's called, like, Comet or something like that. Okay. I, fr I don't know if, if they, they have that in Michigan at all. But you can still watch it on, on their website, like, and stuff like that. There's ways to watch it each week, so mm -hmm. it's not even, like, a big thing. Um, but... Uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. It was cool to talk with Sanjay for a little while about that. So it was great to finally. I've been trying to get him on this podcast for like a year now. We've been going back and forth, mm -hmm. <laughs> and I and I ran into him again at uh, the I the um, IAW show in Cleveland uh, for John, Johnny mm -hmm. Gargano's uh, uh, farewell, 
And I chopped it up with him again. I was like, yo, you still want to do this podcast? He's like, oh, yeah, no doubt, man. So we finally linked up, you know, talked out over the phone this past weekend. So it was cool. We'll have that uh, interview uh, for you uh, later on in the podcast. Uh, All right. So, uh, and before we get on to any of the fighting, I d- let's talk a little bit of music because uh, there's been a few uh, albums that's come out recently that, you know, it's kind of in our vein. Uh the Tribe Called Quest. They, you know, there's a Tribe Called Quest album. Like it just came out. It's the final. Man, and it's, man, it's really good, man. man. There are a few things these days that can make me reminisce of being uh, in my in my younger twenties. Um, that album is so refreshing. In a zillion ways, man. Uh, it's great to hear, you know, first and foremost, uh, Fife Still Alive. Uh, th- those rhymes. <laughs> right. I mean, it's just a lot of, it's it's a lot of shit on this album that you can just sit back and smile about. Hearing samples. Uh, hearing Buster, like, I know Buster, man. This. It sounds like the most fun Buster I've had in years as far as recording music. Um, Q-Tip is masterful on, on creating tracks. Uh, it's not really anything um, bad that you can say about this project. And I heard some people say, man, well, it wasn't mixed. It wasn't mixed right. And it, <laughs> it sounds, you know, uh, you sometimes, man, you know, you can be so artsy as an artist as far as like, you know, the things that you're trying to present. I think certain songs Q-Tip had mine to rock stadiums, you know, um, it's a, that, uh, let's see, what's the title, title of this record? Uh, the one I'm, let me, let me see this right quick. Because they got records that I can hear in stadiums, not just typical, you know, rap joints. You're like, wow, okay. Right. Um, I want to say Space Program. Space Program sounds like that was meant for a stadium. Right, right, definitely. Uh, um, even, even We The People. You know, We The People sound like some stadium shit. You know, they got records on there when you listen to the mix and... You know, you might mean, well, the vocals are like this. Nah, I think he intended it to be like that because, it, 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 you know, artists sometimes envisions their music on a bigger platform, man. So, you know, when you hear people like Kanye, you know, say, I made this for stadiums, I think, you know, a lot of this music was made, you know, for stadiums, arenas, man. But shit is classic, man. Um and I think I it came. And classic, I think it came at the right time, I you know. With try, and I think it really came you at know? the right time, um, specifically with everything going on with the elections and everything. It was something. That's another thing. It was something to be, to uplift, and that's what I got out of it the most. Yeah, yeah. With this project, they, they everything was perfect as far as the timing of it. Even uh, performing on uh, Saturday Night Live a couple of days after this draft with Dave Chappelle was uh, was pr- pretty monumental, you know. And from what I understand, this is going to be 
with this being uh, their last album, it's only right that it debuts number one. Yeah, so, it, it, uh, yeah, it debuted number one, and uh, all of their um all of their albums were charting also. See, which makes sense. Yeah. So, a trap called Quest and De La Soul, um, they're still putting out dope ass albums. A uh, salute to my man Fat Father too, man. He came out with an album called Veterans Day, and, and I was uh, just about to bring that up too. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you, you know, um. Fat Father is a very consistent artist from here. One of the dope lyricists from from uh, I don't even like saying from Michigan or Detroit or whatever. He's just one of the dopest lyricists that's that's that I know. Right. And uh, salute that salute to him for making some grown rap, uh, grown man rap, some boom bap. Um, there's some hip hop music out here, man. If you guys are really searching, if you're looking, I just gave you three albums. Tribe, Fat Father. And uh, De La Soul, man. But I, I am, um, you know, I haven't stopped listening to this album, man. Um, you know, I, I think uh, Mobius might be my favorite, jo- my favorite joint on that. Just hearing Buster the way that I like hearing him. Um, I love We the People. Um, enough. Ego. Ego was, been, man, I love Ego. Right. Do, 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 do. I mean that they got some shit on here, man. You know they got some real shit on here, man. So, and there no one thing I like about it is there are no fillers. There are no fillers on this project, man. You can play this project, and you don't have to worry about fast forwarding. Right. You know, um, I heard I heard people make comments about consequence on here. I think his music, you know, I think his his rhymes are what they are. You know. Um, it's either you like cons or you don't like cons. Right. <laughs> you know, I, 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 I like cons with a tribe called Quest, man. I'm, I, I'm not going to sit on that dude, man, because I think it's, it was a collective effort. You take his rhymes off, it might sound like a different album, man. So I like what I hear. So big up to big up to a tribe called Quest, man. And, and R.I.P. Fife, he's still living, you know. And go get that out, man. You want some dope hip-hop? You want some dope music? Go support them projects. Yeah. Definitely and, support them projects. Yeah, and you brought up Fat Father's album, Veterans Day. And I think, um, and I've said this many times recently, I'm like, I don't think we have, as Detroiters, the Detroit scene, or even as hip-hop, really given him the credit that he deserves as being a hip-hop artist, a writer, and being able to pen really great stories that are very personal. Yeah. Yeah, Fat Father's a beast, man. And and here's another thing, man. Like I'm I'm all about um, you know, I I like to consider myself a man's man and there's no more way of being a man than being a tremendous father. And he puts that to the for- forefront of whatever his mission is, man. So, you know, I have uh respect for him as a man, man. Um because you don't see a lot of guys out here that that's really like that. You oh, know, definitely. really talk about it and being about it, man. So not only is he a dope MC, dope artist, you know, but he just the the you know, I like I like Fat Father Spirit, man. And he goes in, man. It's hard not to like a nigga to go oh excuse me, French, but it's hard <laughs> not to like a, a dude that, you know, goes in, man. He goes in. 
Like lyrically, he goes in, and, it, and it's it's a shame that you don't hear his name, you know, on many lists here. And you know, I feel the same way. Like I think people be overlooking me, but you know, you you can only control what you can control, and, and consistently put out dope music, man. But I think with Veterans Day, he he, you know, he hit it out the ballpark. You you, you just can't front, you know. And it's produced entirely by my man Drugs Beats. So you, 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 I got that right, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, you, you, you can't, you can't front on, on what Fat Father, you know, ha, has done, you know, just from a hip hop perspective, man. And, and if you are shame on you, you know, support that Veterans Day, man. I, I don't like saying, you know, Detroit hip hop, you know, Fat Father is just a dude that happened to be from here. Right, but he's a very dope MC. Yeah, very with that album, MC. it um it starts off with uh, a track, uh, Shabazz Gospel, where um it's three verses. Yeah. The first one's about his uh, dealing with his mother. The second verse is about uh, the death of his brother, and then the third verse mm-hmm. is uh, death of um, a good friend of ours, uh, Christopher Cobb. That shit yeah, Kyle really was hit me, man. Kyle was cool. Man, when I heard that song first, it re- that that third verse in particular third really verse hit got me. me too. It got me too. Man. So I was like, wow, wow. To be able, you know, it's impressive. What's that? You know, we all have things that we go through in life, man. And sometimes they can be life changers. And when it's something like that, man, it's hard to, that, you know, sometimes it's hard to pin that shit out. So I salute him for finally being able to, 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 to paint that art, man, on that canvas, man, because, you know, sometimes, you know, your experiences, man, you know, it, especially when they're painful, it's really hard to talk about, man. So, you know, we use this hip-hop shit as therapy. So good for him for getting that out, man. But that third verse definitely got me, too. Kyle was a cool dude. He always treated me well. Right. He, yeah, he treated a lot of people well. A lot of people wouldn't have music or would have had a place to stay at times if it wasn't for him. And mm-hmm. the thing when um when he passed away, I was going through a lot of my own shit with you know like I've mentioned before with this relationship I was in. So for a mm-hmm. while I wasn't able to see him, and it really it was really sad that when he passed away that I hadn't I hadn't seen him in a long time. Mm-hmm. So like when I heard yeah. that verse, I was just like, man, like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I you know. Um, yeah, that, the verse about his brother, too, that was, uh, that, that was, yeah, Fat Father's dope, man. <laughs> He's a dope, dope dude. Um, to be able to, to finally get it, because I read somewhere that, you know, he had a problem talking about it, and I can relate, you know, because I, I got a, I got a, I got a, I had a person that, you know, I wanted to marry back in the day to commit a suicide, man, and. You know, it's still hard for me to to talk about it. I want to do a record about it, but right. it's like, how do I even start it off? And I think I'm still going to do it some shape or form, but it's hard talking about that type of shit, man. You know, it comes when it comes, man. But good for him that he was able to finally get that off, man, because it's not an easy thing to do. Right, right, right. Yeah, moving on from music now. Um this past weekend was a big weekend for uh, for MMA. 
uh, UFC made their debut uh, and just in uh, UFC made their debut in uh, New York. It was the first MMA mm-hmm. uh, event in the state of New York. Um, it was it was an incredible just it was an incredible evening, incredible card all the way through. It was like mm-hmm. it was filled with all the thrills of victory, all the agonies of defeat. It was it was one of those things where as like even as like a a wrestling fan, you got it's like had all of those it it was almost it all it had everything you could ask for. It had Right. The only thing it didn't have is somebody coming in with a with a money in the bag uh, and a money in the bank uh, bag. <laughs> they, they, they didn't have no money in the bank briefcase. That's the only thing that it probably lacked. <laughs> but other, other than that, um, that would be great. Uh, with, what if? What, <laughs> what if at the end there, when when Conor McGregor won, if the lights went 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 down and then you heard a gong? And then the Undertaker came out. Oh man, man, that'd have been epic. That'd have been epic. <laughs> but um, yeah, that. But what I, but what I, super epic. But what I loved about um, UFC 205, and then the days afterwards, sort of the fallout, is that it reminded me of like the feeling of, of of like WrestleMania, then the Raw afterwards, where. Yeah. Where you had all this stuff leading sure, up indeed. to uh, to this big event, but then like there's all these stories that happened at the event, and then new stories that came out after it, you know, and it was like, and what what I feel like this event did, maybe, and it's maybe just for the hardcore fans, but maybe for a lot of people, is that I feel like it um, it, it, for certain fighters that were able to. Uh, win or be uh be just impressive in their performance at 205 i feel like it um it got people a little bit more emotionally invested in them i'm after after 205 i'm much more invested in what uh what's going to happen with y'all romero and you know michael bisbing you know i'm much more i'm much more invested in what what uh what's going to happen with uh um, with habib i'm emotionally invested in a lot more things after this uh this event because it just worked out that way. It did. And, you know, it all worked out that way because Connor won. Now, if Connor had won, it'd have been a, a different swing, you know what I'm saying? He'd have been immediately, immediately exiled right back to the featherweight division, go defend your belt or else. <laughs> and UFC, you know, they still would use him, but some of the aura that Connor has would have uh, would have worn off real quick because now you're talking about a guy that's one and two in his last three fights. <laughs> right, right, right. Instead of instead of two and one, you know, um, I got a I got a I got a lot to say about Conor McGregor, man. I, I, Conor is one of them guys you either like or you don't like. I like Conor, but I dislike the the smoke and mirrors that the UFC. Um, the, the 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 smoke and mirrors that the UFC tends to uh, blind its fans by. Connor, I mean, obvious talent. You can't front that. You know, I mean, the dude is a two division champion, featherweight and lightweight. You can't front that. But styles make matches, and the UFC will do everything in their power 
And believe me when I tell you, if if, if they do the exact opposite, opposite, I'll eat crow. But they're going to do whatever in their power to not, to not, to not put him in with Khabib. Yeah, because there's a lot of things. Go, there's a lot of things going go on now him. since um, since 205. He um, he said that you know he's going to be a father and said that he might be taking some time off. That um you know the, the the kid's not coming until May, so there's still kind of an unknown thing about what's going to uh, go on until then if he's not going to fight until then, and then you have the um you have the question marks going around. You know who gets the the next shot? You know is it uh. Is it Khabib? Is it uh, Ferguson? And then um, his coach, John Kavanaugh, is saying that Nate Diaz should get the next shot at 155 for the belt. And then Nate Diaz, well, see, this is the sad part about all this. You know who's the loser here, and he shouldn't be the loser? Who's that? There is, there is no way in the world that we shouldn't be talking about Jose Aldo. This this kid definitely hadn't lost 10, 11, 12 years. You know, all of a sudden, I, I'm not. I refuse to call the shot. Connor hitting with a fluke. I think it was just a perfect shot timing, right. timing wise, and everything. But you've done this dude dirty. So you mean to tell me Connor's going to be able to keep the featherweight belt and? He has yet to defend it once. So if you're talking about so if you're talking about May, so now you're talking about him having you're talking about him having, you know, this title over a year and not even defending that belt. I mean, come on, man. It got it got it gotta it gotta be something more to it than the bullshit that that, that UFC is doing. It's like, you know, why aren't we talking about him Giving a, a rematch to Jose Aldo. That as you know, and what they're going to do is they're going to select the fights that make sense to them. Um, the Nate Diaz fight number three definitely makes, um, from a dollars and cents perspective, it, it makes the most sense. Um, Teron Woodley. Um, that's interesting because he's the world to weight king. Yes. And now you're talking about a dude going up to to fight for his third belt making history, you know, constantly doing stuff like that. I would like to see Willie get that fight because I want to see Willie get paid. Definitely, you know, I, I root for, I root for Teron Willie because UFC to me, just, they, they not back him. They, 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 they don't back him to me. You know, is he their champion? Yeah. You know, they he's their champion in their eyes by default because uh, of what he did to Robbie Lawler. But I don't really think, that they want him champion, man. So I want that guy to keep winning, man. You know, similar to what they did to Robbie Lawler by throwing him to the wolves when he first came to strike for us to try to reduce his contract, you know. Um, uh, and then you talk about Khabib and you talk about Tony Ferguson. Khabib definitely is the number one contender, and I like Tony Ferguson. Yeah. Ferguson, I root, I root for people that, that's, that was born in Michigan, man. Um, Ferguson is a beast, but the one that they don't want, they don't want to fight Khabib. They can use that he's been inactive. He he's hasn't fought. 
you know, this, and he's only fought um, two, three times in three years. I don't care. Now, there's always you something guys... that they come up with. You know, with uh, with Khabib, he's, he definitely showed at 205 what he's about. And then after the after the match, he after the fight, he gave probably the one of the best post-fight interviews, one of the best heel interviews, one of the best, like, sort of, like this is like '80s wrestling, you know. He did it in multiple language. He 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 addressed the Irish people, saying he wants to fight uh, fight their chicken. Man, one of the best interviews I've seen. Man, me and you were marking out when he was saying it, man. <laughs> oh man, I loved it. I I, I loved it, man. I, I've been I've been a Khabib dude from day one, and when I mean day one, first time I've seen, I'm, you know. I have a thing for wrestlers. Um, to me, wrestlers rule. That's just me. I, I, I'm, you know, I come from that background. So, Khabib, like, dude wrestles bears. Like, I don't know how many bears. times I got to say that. This dude wrestles bears. From now on, every time not, we bring up Khabib, we got to say that, not, man. We got to say that, man. Every time, we, every time we talk about Khabib, we got to say that, that he wrestles bears, man. He wrestles he, he bears, wrestles bears, man. Like, dog. who does that? Like, do you know anybody else that wrestles bears? No. And they I don't said, know nobody else that got footage. <laughs> I don't know nobody that got footage. He wrestles fucking of bears, wrestling dog. bears. And, and, you know, we laugh at that, man. But, come on, you got to be a special type dude to even consider that. Like, who does that? And, um, you know, he even he even went to Twitter and said that he's like, I want my USV. Uh, I want to fight for the US um, UFC title for respect. But if I don't get my title mm-hmm. shot next, I, I have a different plan. I won't be fighting in the UFC. Good for him. Good for him, man. Sometimes you got to make people, you know, show their hands. And if UFC not go show him that hand, they, if he's not part of, of their plans to, you know, um, make a fight between him and Connor, then, you know, whatever leverage he has, he should use it. You know, um, fighters are in the day and age to where they're getting smarter, bro. And the day and age, the day and age where fighters roll over, taking over, taking fi- uh, taking promoters' garbage, them days is leaving. You know, far- fighters are starting to know their value. And, you know, the bottom line is, you know, sure, UFC could – see, that's – oh, wow, I hate even getting into this because that's a whole other arena. But that's why, you know, when this lawsuit, you know, when when all this stuff is said and done, I really wonder what's going to happen, man. I think the fighters, you know, the fighters are going to gonna come out on top. There, there's going to be a, a fighters union, you know, I think real soon. Um, you know, again, we talk about this almost every week. <laughs> right. Some people fight for money. Yeah. Some people fight for that respect. I think Khabib wants a title shot. I think he earned that title shot, and I think he will be a tremendous champion. But I think Connor is going to run from that fight. Connor will run from that fight. He go, he go take the Nate fight. You know, he's going to see, and, and you know, people. You know, and this is one of the reasons I don't like casual fans. Casual fans be saying the stupidest shit, like, <laughs> you know, uh, 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 Connor, he'll knock off Floyd Mayweather. Connor, he'll destroy Floyd Mayweather. Well, that may be true if it was a box, if it was an MMA match, right. because you know, you 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 take 
you know, Floyd off his feet and put him on the ground, he had fish and water. But the same thing goes with boxing with Floyd Mayweather and Conor McGregor. I don't care how hard Conor's right, uh, left hand is. Name of the game is to hit and not be hit. I watched Floyd Mayweather embarrass Otto Gotti years ago. And I've never, I haven't seen a performance like that fight, you know, really from anybody since then. I mean, he, you know, Floyd, he fights everywhere at Vegas. Vegas is his home. He's going to fight in Vegas no matter what. Floyd left Vegas. The last time he left Vegas is when he went to Arturo Gotti's hometown in Atlantic City, New Jersey. Told Arturo Gotti on ESPN he was going to beat the brakes off of him and embarrass him and make him look like a club fighter in front of his hometown fans. <laughs> and he did that. All you got to do, punch up YouTube, Floyd Mayweather, Arturo Gotti. Now, again, Connor has a left hand, but you're not going to be able to hit Floyd Mayweather. Floyd May- Mayweather doesn't get hit. And if you do hit him, he will adjust. So the chances of you getting a clean shot against Floyd Mayweather, slim and none. Floyd will frustrate you with pot shots. And once he has you, four, five, possibly six punch combinations will land. I don't think Conor McGregor, you know, would – stand a chance against Floyd Mayweather in boxing. I mean, I'm talking about literally, it would be an embarrassment. So for him to come out and say, I demand a hundred, hundred million, like for what? Why, why give you a hundred million for something that like, okay, yeah, you're, you're good in boxing and MMA, but just boxing within itself. Nah, man, you're light years you know, uh, behind Floyd Mayweather, just like they used to try to promote Ronda Rousey with Floyd Mayweather, man. You seen what where Ronda Rousey so-called boxing got her, right? Her shadow, <laughs> her shadow was whooping her ass, and and, and, and when she was shadow boxing, man, she's like her horrible. She better stick to arm burn, you know, chicks and you know flipping them and doing stuff like that because, like, boxing is a whole. You know, pugilism is totally different than than leg kicks and, and shooting and stuff like that, man. You know, I, I get it. You know, Connor, in some people's eyes, he's one and two in his last three fights. I think he lost both Nate Diaz fights. You know, so for people to be comparing him to about, you know, oh, he's great. Connor, you know, if you look at it, Nate Diaz beat him, honestly, with seven to ten days' notice. Not even in training camp. This dude basically got off the boat, made weight, and made him tap. And that dude had a full training camp. Okay, the second fight against Nate Diaz. A lot of us think Nate Diaz won that fight. Okay, kind of got it. Okay, cool. I'm not mad at that. A lot of us think Nate won that fight. Okay, now did you come back and win this fight? Sure. But really, from a technical ass point, you're one and two in your last, although you're two and one, but a lot of us believe that you're one and two. So when you hear TMZ and media and all, you know, these casual fans, oh, man, he, he, he's, he's blowing up like Floyd. 
Floyd never lost in his 20-plus years in boxing. That man owns a 49-0 record, and he was five-weight division champion, weight class division champion, and most importantly, doesn't have any L's on his record. People got to stop. You know, Conor McGregor, in his last three fights, one of them he got tapped. One of them, arguably, it could have went to the to uh, to Nate Diaz in the rematch. And sure, he looked great in the Alder in the Eddie Alderez fight, but that was just a perfect matchup for him. Right. So, sure, you know, is he the hot commodity? Is he the hot fighter right now? Yeah, he's the for now thing for what's going on. But you can't do what Floyd did for twenty plus years at that level. You know, people say whatever they want about Floyd, but not how he bores them and how he does this, that, and the other. You put him in the ring against the people that you want to see, the Pac-Mans, against the uh, Canelos, against the Mosleys, against anybody you wanted. The Ricky Hatton, he beat Ricky Hatton, where Ricky Hatton was, like, supposed to be the next coming, had never had an L in his life. Like, Floyd don't get the credit that, that – that he don't, you know, that he deserved, man, and that's more so because people don't like the persona. So right. they 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 pay they pay to see they pay to, uh, they pay for one of his pay per views to see him lose. Connor, like I said, you go to these last three fights, you're you like I said, in a lot of people eyes you're one and two, but you're two and one, but you're the hot thing right now. It it, it you know. You know, and when you can make three hundred million in one fight, come talk to the dude. Not ten, fifteen million, because the losers, for the most part, for Floyd fights get get about that. Right. So not yeah, you may you may be the dude that's getting it in MMA, but you're not doing that. You know, you're not doing it on a consistent basis, and you're not just like you. They use Floyd to to make themselves you know, look bigger than what they actually are, man. So, you know, to use Floyd's quote, can't compare an elephant to an ant, man. You just can't. <laughs> okay, with with, um, with everything that's kind of going on, you know, there's a possibility that we might not see Conor McGregor for a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. What happens? Are they going to do this thing? Do you think they're going to do this thing where uh, they give an interim title out between uh, Khabib or uh, Ferguson? Um, and we're at this thing where Khabib doesn't even want to do that. He wants his title fight next. He doesn't. Want, I don't think he wants to do this, you know, interim title bullshit. What do you think is going to happen next in regards to all of this? I, I wish that I had some type of contingency plan, but I, I don't, man. Uh, I mean, you got Dana making these decisions, man, and Dana really is affecting a lot of people's lives by not saying, hey, Defend your belt against this person. No, you're going to fight this person. You're giving this dude too much power, man. And Conor right now knows he has that power. So um, it wouldn't surprise me if he held on to both of them belts. And, and you know, UFC is not known really to, to concede to what somebody wants. They, they generally fall in line after a while. But Conor has a lot of pressure. Conor's got a lot of leverage right now, man. I mean, all the pay-per-views, like, when you start paying attention to the numbers and you know you're, uh, you know, when you know the numbers, Conor just got leverage. 
but I don't think UFC is the type of company that's go go bow down. Uh, but he knows the numbers. He knows what he brings when he fights. And his, I bet you his team of representatives saying, hey, whenever we fight, this is what we bring number-wise. There's not another fighter on UFC roster that can generate what he generates. So, you know, will they buckle and give him a percentage? You know, I think there'll be some fools uh, to do that. Um, why do that? If you do that, then you'll have to eventually do that for another fighter and another fighter and another fighter. Vince McMahon, and I hate to even go off to wrestling with this, but Vince McMahon attitude is, okay, I'll just make another one. And I think UFC right. has the power to make another one, but they don't know who to get behind. They're scared. Connor is a, is is as much as a sure thing that there is that they have on their roster. Ronda Rousey, sure, she can bring something to the table, but I think after she gets smashed the next time, then she's gone. After that, who do you really have? I tell you what they should do. They need to start, you know, hollering at the Diaz brothers, man, and get on their good side, man, because them dudes will put people in seats. And they're they're the exact recipe of like oh definitely definitely Nick and Nate Diaz are what the fans like. We like Conor McGregor, but we like the hey fuck you guys, fuck you, you know. And when I look at Nate, uh, Nate, Nate, cool, they cool. Yeah, when I uh, when I look at the Diaz brothers, you know, you see guys that are like, you see like the hip hop culture, you see like the street culture, you see those, they remind you of those guys that you went to school with that always got into fights and trouble, but you know, you were still cool with them and they never pulled you into their bullshit. You know, they're always cool, you know, and it's something that people can relate to. If they got, if the UFC got behind those, those guys, dude, shit could happen, man. A lot of, it could blow up. And look, and that's why I say it's a good chance they get that third fight. Because if Nate wins the belt, now UFC will get behind him. I, I, I remember when um, my boy Mike Hogan was his manager and they were negotiating, you know, his contract. And, you know, Dana was saying shit like, he's not a needle mover. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, what do you think now? Is he a, is he a needle mover now? I, I, would, I would say so. You know, um... And Connor's coaches, they're calling Nate the number one contender. You know, I mean, I get what you're saying. He had an impressive victory against Michael Johnson, but uh, I think me and you will, will agree that Khabib smashed uh, Michael Johnson for three rounds and it wasn't even remotely close. You know, um, I don't think, and I'm a Nate guy, but I don't want to see him in there with nobody like Khabib. Was Khabib. Khabib Man, look, from what I read, I read that Khabib was talking shit to Michael Johnson, smashing and talking about, you know I deserve this title fight. Smash, smash, you need to give up now. And he's doing the smash, same thing to uh, Dana White during the fight. <laughs> right, see what I'm saying? And, you know, and then, yeah, and, and talking to the promoter, and he was talking to Michael Johnson in there as he was beating him up. Right. And, and he was talking to Dana in between rounds. 
Khabib is that dude, man. People better get behind. Y'all better get behind the eagle. Y'all better get behind the eagle. That's the one kind they don't want to see. Right, that that's just my opinion. But to answer your question, um, I guess we're gonna find out real soon because um, a lot of people hold a lot of they they hold a lot of power in their hand, man. And uh, we go see how the UFC counter uh, counters counter uh, counter as far as what he said. Because I believe he said he wasn't fighting again until he got a piece of equity in the company, and that's some bullshit. Like, dude, you're contracted fighter. That's what you are. You are a fighter. Be a fighter. Enjoy the millions that you're getting that everybody else is not getting. Connor's on a whole nother, like he's on a whole nother level when you're talking about pay. Right. So That's- why not enjoy that? And, and instead of talking about you want ownership, because if you know, you go, you just, you just go keep cherry picking the fights. That's the, that's gonna make you look good, you know. True champions, true champions get in there with people that may give them a little adversity, man. You just see GSP backing down from people. You never seen Anderson Anderson Silva backing down from people. As much as this guy, you know, John Jones and back down from people. You know, the real ones don't back down from people. Right. You know, so so we go see what kind of you know how he's built. Um. A lot of people don't like Yoel Romero. Um, I wasn't surprised to beat Chris Wyman. I just wasn't surprised. I think I, I think I predicted it was a pick em fight. Uh, I, I just wasn't surprised at all, you know, with how that went down. Uh, that knee was just uh, devastating. It went, it went to round three, tied one one, and. That third round was definitely going to be the deciding round, and Yoel didn't even leave it in the judge's hands. People can call him a cheater all they want, but he's never tested positive for a steroid. Now, he tested positive for um, tainted supplements, which were tested by USADA and and Nevada Athletic Commission, and the supplements came out tainted, which they were, yeah, and that's why he received the six month suspension as to a year, like what John Jones got, you know. So, you know, I still don't look at him as a cheater. Um, you know, some people have bodies like that. That, you know, maybe that's just how their bodies are. You know, everybody everybody makeup is a little different, and you know, I just think. Michael Bisping, you know, he need to enjoy his days as champion because, uh, you know, he claims he's not going to fight Yoel, but you're not Conor McGregor. You're going to fight Yoel. And, you know, you're going to fight Yoel. You're going to fight – you're going to fight – whomever you fight next is going to beat you. So enjoy this little, little run that you have. And, you know, good for you that you finally became UFC champion. But, you know – Part of the reason he's a champion is timing. You know, Luke technically should still be champ, man. It was that was one of them timing fights, man. Where you know, uh, fighter got injured. You jumped in ten to seven days. I could see Luke looking past you because he already smashed you, and you caught him. It's a part of the game. So, um, you know, if everything goes right, I think Yoel should be, you know, the the. The next the, the next person that fights him, and I pick him as, you know, the new champion. 
Um, welterweight. Uh, Teron Woodley and Stephen Wonder Boy. Um, to me, they had to fight of the night. Yeah, I wanted to talk about uh, that. Uh, this is a lot, there's a this goes into a lot of the things that we talked about before in regards to Tyron Woodley, where it's just mm-hmm. like everybody is fronting on this guy. They don't, and every between every corner, every corner, it's like they rip a little bit of part of his experience away from him, and it's yeah, and it's very it's very frustrating as a fan of his. Because uh, first off, like when it came to uh, the way they uh, they um, announced the winner of the fight, they first said that he won. Then they said it was a, a majority draw. But and mm-hmm. that was just really, you know, that was very dis- discomforting for him because they, he thought they were about to take his belt away and give it to a Wonder Boy. But yeah, this was the weird thing about it. Did you see the actual scoring of this match? This is where it just... No, I didn't. I didn't, I didn't see the scorecard. Okay, this is... I'm, I'm going to break it down to you, and you're going to see how weird this shit is. Okay, the one mm-hmm. the one judge that gave it a 48-47, he gave three rounds to uh, Woodley at, at a 10-9. Okay. The two other uh, judges who ended up doing uh, the 47-47 draw, they each mm-hmm. gave him two rounds with one round being a 10-8. But here's the kicker, though. Each one of those uh, judges gave a different round as 10-8. Wait, wait, you said each one of them judges gave a different round 10-8? Yeah. One of them gave a first round as 10-8. How can you give a 10-8 first round to Woodley and not give 10-8 for the fourth round? Yeah, I think he, I thought he had two uh, 10-8 rounds. I thought the first round and the fourth round were both 10-8 rounds. Right. But yeah, the two the two uh the two judges that uh they they gave him the uh, 47-47 uh they gave they gave different rounds as uh 10-8. Oh, that's piss poor. That's piss poor. See, and that's what I be talking about, man. You don't know what the judges be looking for. I know when I'm I am if I like a fighter as compared to not liking a fighter, I don't see my like or dislike. I just see two guys in there fighting and I can judge a, a, a fight without not not saying the bias is even involved, man. But I know what I'm looking for as far as when you're talking about scoring. Who who's the person? Who's the aggressor? Who had the cleaner shots? Who had the takedowns? Who who landed the the the, the clear visible punches? Um, I'll be wondering how these dudes get commissioned to judge a fucking fight. Like how. How is it that we can see this, and we're not technically judges, but here it is, you're a fucking judge, and you're getting paid for this, and you doing a piss poor job. Like, I, I, I never understood that. You know, never I, understood. I can, under, I can understand if you judge the first round 10-9 to Woodley and the fourth round 10-8 to Woodley, but I can't understand the other way around where you would judge the first round 10-8 to Woodley but then give him 10-9 on the uh, third, uh, on the fourth round, to me that just sounds really suspect. Retarded. Know? Excuse the French, but yeah, it, it sounds it sounds crazy, man. I, I, you know, I think sometimes these judges need to go back and take some remedial courses. More, more, more MMA, MMA judges than anything, man. I've seen horrible scores throughout my years, man. Just being a fan and being at events, and it's like, how do, like, what were you looking at to? You know, I I thought round one and round four were clearly 
ten eight rounds for 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 Woodley. You know, when Woodley got control of him in the first round and kept him on the ground, he dominated him. Dominated him on the first round. That fourth round dominated him. You know, I mean, I I don't know. I'm just happy he's still champion. You know, despite all the bullshit mishaps that UFC uh, putting through. Glad he's still champion. You know, Wonder Boy don't have a reason to, to hold his head, you know, down. And I hope he gets a counter fight, man. Ultimately, you want to see a dude get a money fight. And if he has to face Wonder Boy again, then uh, we'll see it again. We'll see, you know, how how he tries to, uh, you know, counter that distance that uh, Wonder Boy has a, a knack of uh, putting his fighters through, man. It's a lot of distance. He covers a lot of distance with those legs. And and another thing that, you know, in regards to what I was saying about Woodley is that mm-hmm. uh, even uh, after all that was done uh, later on, it was actually his belt that they uh, brought into the ring for Conor McGregor so he can hold the two belts up. And, right. And they didn't, and from hearing the interviews with uh, Woodley, they didn't really ask him to do if they could use it. They just kind of came back and got it and said, thank you. And that night, Woodley wasn't even able to take pictures with his belt at MSG on this historic night. So they they took that away from him, also. You know, like that's some whole ass shit. Like what? Into and for me, I I hear the interviews with Woodley. I see all the things that he does. He was even um, voted as like one of the top most important people in St. Louis, like uh, top hundred, and they mm-hmm. had a whole celebration Perfect, for yep. it and everything. This guy has mm-hmm. been fighting as a champion. He's a champion right now. And what does he have to do to, like, get some respect get from his, his respect. company? Does he have to come out there dancing or something? Or does he have to be controversial? What the fuck does he have to do? People don't like fighters like um, Whitley, fighters like Mo. Um, they like fighters. Well, excuse me. I shouldn't say that. I don't think they lie, man. I, I know here it's about to be some controversy, but I think black MMA fighters are treated a little differently than than you know their counters. Uh, that was Chell Sonnen. Um, you know, Chell Sonnen speaks his mind. He's loved. Woodley speaks his mind. He's not liked. Um. Conor McGregor speaks his mind. He's loved. Uh, you know, anybody not named Conor McGregor, they're hated. You know what I'm saying? I, it, it's, you know, certain fighters, man, you know, they just want them to, to fight and not say nothing. And Willie is not one of these dudes. Willie is one of these dudes. But how do you move to Ron Willie? That dude is two-time All-American at Missouri. Um, world champion. Um, positive guy, he's a family man. How do you boo that? You you boo that? You know, I just think casual fans suck, man. Casual fans really suck. Yeah, it's too bad. They believe, they, they, they believe in the two fairy. Right. It's too bad because Woodley definitely is somebody that you can get behind. And there's nothing, yeah. there's nothing about him that turns me off, that thinks that he's an asshole or that, where you should boo him. He's he's 
active. He's a family man. He's active in his community. He's he's a competitor. He's a he's a straight up competitor, and he's shown that he's a champion. And I just don't like how they're always fronting on him and always taking a little bit of his experience out at each step. Yeah, I agree. I agree. They they do him wrong. They do Chris Cyborg wrong. They doing Khabib. They doing a lot of people wrong, man. From what I heard, uh, they they gave Nate Diaz seats to Nick Jonas. Right. Like, how do you how do you do stuff like that to to guys? These are, these are your fighters. You're supposed to take care of your fighters, man. And I just don't get it, man. I guess I guess it's the old the old adage, "What have you done for me lately?" But in Nate Diaz' case. He's done a lot for you guys lately, man. Treat that dude with some respect. He's a part of the storyline. You know? He's part of the biggest storyline in UFC right now with Con- Conor McGregor. He's a part of that storyline. You know, Conor is 2-1 in his last three fights. I keep, I keep going back to this. Arguably, you could say that he's 1-2 his last three fights. But yet people are so talking about how, oh, he's Floyd. You know, I just hate, it's it's like, wow, you fuckers are stupid. Are you you really buying in that? And then for Dana to come out and make comments, you know, Floyd hasn't done one of the things that Connor has, you know, Connor, Connor got losses on his record. Connor has lost. So the whole aura, one of, one of the things about being an undefeated fighter is who's going to give that person their first loss. Right. Okay. Floyd has never lost. So one of the buying things, one of the reasons we watch Floyd is because we want to know if this is going to be the first time he loses. It's not the same thing with Connor. We know Connor has lost. You know, he's tapped out. Really, if you think about it, I was I was seeing some the other day where uh, a female made a comment. Oh, Connor, he's used to taking shots. He, he, he would he would smash. Well, he's an MMA fighter. He's used to taking shots. Wrong. No, he's not. Because if you really look at it, the Nate Diaz, the first Nate Diaz fight, what made him shoot to the ground, getting popped in the jaw? Right. So the issue. So him taking a right punch made him say, "Oh shit." Let me try to take him down because I don't want to get hit in the face no more. If you really want to look at it, that was a K on his feet, which made him shoot to the legs, which in ending ended with a tap. So Connor is not this invincible guy that, you know, I just think Floyd would beat the brakes off of this dude and in a boxing match. And you're talking MMA, you know, Stylistically, you're going to only keep him against. You're going to have him against somebody that's going to stand, not wrestle. Uh, I think the Jose fight with us. That was the one we we say, you know, what Jose's jujitsu, da 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 da. You know, but what can you what can you really say when you knock a dude out in seven seconds? That really happened. So, you know, like I just think, I just think fans are real stupid. They're not knowledgeable. <laughs> They just want to see the ESPN highlights, and they think they they understand the fight. Like I, I don't, I don't. Don't get me wrong. I love knockouts, but I more so enjoy the setup of a knockout more than just that one punch. It's like how did you how did you set this dude up to get him up out of there? 
you know, but, you know, he go fuck around, bop up a long tree, and I'm telling you, one loss will destroy that aura. If he would have lost to Nate Diaz again, then it would have destroyed what we know what it is now. And as far as, you know, why are we so intrigued by some Irish dude, you know, with two belts? You know, if he'd had two losses in a row, we wouldn't be talking about Conor McGregor. We'll be like, damn, UFC don't have no more stars. Like, who, who's their star right now? You can't talk UFC without talking Conor McGregor. They got him. They got him ranked number two pound for pound behind Demetrius Johnson, which is bullshit to me. You know, you jump all these people because you've had just like the perfect fights. Like Connor ain't fought the dog. Connor ain't fought fought the who's who's. Connor has fought fights stylistically his advantage. That's just what it is. He's fought dudes stylistically that he could have some advantage with. And, and, you know, I call it as I see it. And I like Conor McGregor, but I'm not going to sit up here and say he's the greatest <laughs> thing since sliced bread when I know Khabib is out there, when I know Tony Ferguson is out there. Hell, you know, when when Anthony Showtime Pettis is out there, people don't talk about Anthony Showtime Pettis, man. But, you know, there's some guys out there that, that, that would give Conor problems, man. But, you know, he better do right and pick the right guy. Because if he picked the wrong guy, he ain't gonna have one of the belts. Yeah, moving on um, to another. Yeah, moving on to another fight. Um, was the women's strawweight fight uh, from uh, two hundred five between uh, uh, Joanna Janjacek uh, versus Karolina Kovačević? That was a that was a pretty good mm-hmm. fight, man. Joanna uh, Champion, she's she's a beast, man. She's a she's a terminator. And and. She's my fav- favorite women fighter next to uh, Chris Cyborg. Um, I can't wait to meet her. She trained down in America Top Team uh, with my partner. And, uh, yeah, she's a beast, man. Congratulations to her. Um, this is probably the most trouble fight I've seen her in. Um, you know, she had some lumps. She had some bruises. Right. But all in all, she did She did what she was supposed to do to defend her title, man. And I hope she gets paid. And uh, and even in loss, Carolina showed a lot. You know, she's definitely going to be around. She she in losing, she actually won. She didn't lose anything. Right. She she lost it. She lost a decision, but I think she gained more in the loss. Just like I think Michael Johnson gained more in that loss to Khabib than the mauling that he got because he got beat up for three rounds uh, up until that up until him tapping. I, I was saying to myself, man, how, how many of these punches can you take? I right. mean, that dude got crucified at least five times <laughs> right? and kept taking punches. So you have some fighters that actually win in a losing effort, and I think she's definitely one of them along with Michael Johnson. Who do you think is next for uh, Joanna? That I don't know. I'm, I'm gonna have to look at. Um, I'm gonna have to look at her weight class and see. Uh, There's been talk what about uh, got, man. Uh, Jessica and Jaje. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if she's ready for that yet, man. Like I don't know if if anybody's ready for Joanna, man. You know, I think she needs to go on vacation, <laughs> recharge her, recharge her batteries, and um. You know, somebody maybe they need to have a number one contenders match, man, because right. 
she she is that nice. She's that nice, man. I think she deserves a break. I definitely think she deserves a break. So I hope she takes a nice vacation, and uh, and uh, I hope that uh, you know, well, she'll defend her strap. I don't. I, I I see her, you know, holding on to that belt as long as she wants to. Yeah, and also from that another uh, women's fight was the Raquel Pennington versus Misha Tate. Um, Raquel Pennington was pretty dominant. <laughs> Misha Tate uh, retired afterwards. Re- Misha Tate, and and I actually did see like apparently there's um some video that that UFC put out where I she don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah, she basically just in quit in the. Ma- I mean, we saw it from our vantage point like that. She just wasn't there. She wasn't. Yeah, we look. We we were calling that. Shit. I'm like, what is, what is she doing? You know, um, I've never been this big Misha Tate person. I just think she got by by her boobs, and I mean, I hate to put it like that. She got by by her looks and all that other corny stuff that I don't care about. Um, is she a, a former Strike Force champion? If is she a former UFC champion? Those are accomplishments that don't come by everybody. She's had a great career. Um, I'm glad she's not in the cage anymore. I never was like, how, how do you cheer for a person named Cupcake? <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, good for her. Hey, at least Brian Caraway, at least she's still going to be fighting. So, you know, she's not going to be completely gone. I do like the fact she told Dana, fuck you, I don't work with you. Anymore. That was <laughs> that, you know, was, that was one of the best things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty cool. You know, uh, I don't want to come off as this big Dana White hater because I'm not. I just want to see him do the right thing. And you know, when it's not an equal, when it's not equal for everybody, then it's gonna be a problem. And he doesn't show he shows favoritism with his fighters. Pretty much obvious. You see it all the time. We've been seeing it for years. Um. You know, just want Dana to do the right thing. And he's consistent. Don't get me wrong. He's done, you know, eons and eons of marvelous things for MMA. But, you know, Dana is Dana turning into Don King right in front of us. And not Don King, the fraudulent guy, but Don King, the guy that, you know, will, will do any and everything to make some dollars. And it's about making bread, but it's about the integrity of the sport, too. How do we trust you when you're constantly not going by the rankings? You know, so, yeah, it, it, it sucks, but it, it's definitely true. Um, who else did we see on that card? Um, there's also uh, Frankie uh, Edgar versus Jeremy Stevens. Frankie Edgar put on a massive performance, as usual, um, although he did get caught with a right hand. No, he got caught with a kick, didn't he? Uh, yeah, he got caught with a kick. You yeah. Know, he couldn't handle that. Uh, he couldn't He couldn't land with that right hand. Um, Frankie Edgar did what Frankie Edgar does. Movement, strikes, uh, explodes. Um, you know, impressive win. And, you know, Jeremy Stevens is a stud, man, so that's – Definitely an impressive win. Great card all the way around, though, man. I, I don't think there there was one fight that I was like, man, get this. Well, except me should take. Um, get this shit over with so I can, <laughs> we can get to the next fight. Right. 
There's been many a times where I'd be like, you know, you might play Madden or something like that until the next car come on because it's like I don't want to watch this shit, man, you know. But good, will, good win for um, Raquel uh, Pennington. You know, that's pro- that – that was her. That was her championship. That was probably the biggest fight she's ever won. Yeah, um, good for her, and it's going to help her move up in the rankings, man. But I think I don't think she's going to um, go any further really than that. I mean, she'll be, you know, between the pretender contender stage for for a minute. But I don't see her fighting for a belt no time soon. No diss to her. That's just how I kind of view it. All right, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Before we, um, before we go on to a bunch of the, uh, there's some I mean, uh, a lot of uh, uh, MMA cards going on this weekend. Uh, but there's a few mm-hmm. things that I talk about um, also from last weekend. Um, the Bellator uh, 164, uh, Douglas Lima knocked out uh, Kharashkov. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. I'm happy for Douglas Lima, man. I'm happy for him, man. Uh, he finally was able to load, you know, load up and land one of them shots. He was losing that fight prior right. to that happening. So, um, good for him. Um, he's a two-time welterweight champion now. So, good for him, man. Um, you know, I, I'm pretty sure I'm going to run into him soon at one of these Bellator cars. But, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm happy that um, you know, he was able to stri- strike strike gold twice. Definitely. And then also, uh, the uh, one championship, I. Uh, Carter, um, earlier um, la- um, last week, um, Shinya Aoki. Uh, the guy from the Philippines. Yeah, he was uh, he was t- TKO'd in the third round against uh, uh, Edward Foliang. Uh That will uh, end uh, Aoki's uh, nine-fight winning streak. And it, I think we at that, that time for, you know, some fighters reached that wall to where um, they, you know, they just reached that wall to where it's what's going to push them. You know, Aoki's probably going to get a rematch. But uh, this might be it for him, man. I think he may have reached his ceiling. He's been so dominant for so long. It's similar to Anderson Silva. You know, you so dominant for so long in the weight class, eventually, eventually you're going to run into that wall. And this could be the wall that he ran into, man. So salute to him for being the champion that he's been, you know, all this, all the, all these years. And hopefully he can bounce back from this, but, you know, even in a rematch, I don't think uh, he'll be able to come back in and beat this, this young lion from uh, the Philippines. Right. And one of the things that I liked about, uh, with uh, one championship and how they built up this uh, fight and then everything afterwards is that, Aoki is a big name in that company, and they built him up as such. But um, when Edward won, they gave they celebrated his win also so greatly, and that's what I loved about. It. I like the respect that they gave both of these fighters in this match. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah. And over over in Asia, man, that, that's how they are. They they real respectful. Um. It's definitely different than how they promote guys in the UFC. Um, 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 it's definitely different 
and how they got from all guys in the UFC, whether they, whether they, you know, one guy is a good guy, the other guy is a bad guy. I think you need more than that, man. You got to celebrate. That's what it's all about, man. You got to celebrate these dudes, man. Show them that they appreciate it. And fans will appreciate you for that, man. Like, it's just a different, like, our fans over here compared to there, totally different. Yeah. We have, we have bloodshed, venomous asshole fans over here, man. They just want to see blood. They don't care who blood it is. <laughs> right. Then you got fans. Then you got fans that truly honor honor the sport and everything about it is honoring. You know, they don't like none of the of the clown, the ass clown games. They just want to see two fighters going in there and giving them they all. And it's about the skill set and similar to how. Japanese uh, or or Asian fans love pro wrestling. Like I think Asian pro wrestling fans are, are different than our fans. Oh, definitely. You know, definitely. I, you know they they appreciate the art form more so. You know us, we just want to see some gory shit. So you know it's all about the demographics, man. And you know that's that's why one FC is you know where they are as far as in their country, man. You know, you're getting all these buys on, on live television over there because they, they really love, like, you know, th- that community. They they love mixed martial arts. So before we get to the next topic, I want to play an interview that I did this past weekend with a former TNA wrestler and independent wrestling superstar, Sanjay Dutt. Uh, we talk about his rap debut earlier this year. We talk about hip-hop. Uh, we talk about his early, uh, all his best memories in TNA and uh, just indie wrestling in general. So here's the interview with Sanjay Dutt. Yeah, one of the reasons why I wanted to uh, have you on the podcast was that uh, not only have you been, you know, a prominent figure in wrestling, but also, uh, you know, I, uh, you're a big hip-hop head also, even... Uh, you even uh, made your rap debut earlier this year with uh, <laughs> yeah, a track. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, talk about that track. You did it with uh, a hip-hop artist named Vice. Yeah. So uh, it, it kind of, you know, I I love I love hip-hop. I've been a hip-hop fan. But, you know, I, I kind of know my limitations. And I know I'm like, musically, I don't have any musical talents. Uh, so I never really aspired to, to get into that side of things. But. You know, it kind of fell in my lap. Uh, this, uh, there's an artist down in uh, L.A. named Vice, and uh, there's another artist named Yuppie Lifestyle, and he's also a uh, producer, and uh, he's got his own record label, DTLA Records. And uh, it kind of fell in my lap. They, they presented to me. They're, they're, they're big wrestling fans as well. And uh, they said, hey, you, you know, this was a track that they had done, and this was actually kind of a, the, the remix to, to, the, to the original Moguls track. And they said, uh, would you, you want to jump on this Moguls uh, remix with us? And I said, well, uh, I don't know what you guys expect from me, but um, I- I'm sure I-, I can I can give it a shot. So I uh, flew out to L.A., uh, got in the studio, um, banged it out. We-, we went to Marina Del Rey right outside L.A. We shot the video uh, down at Marina Del Rey. With, uh, got this nice boat out on the water, your, your cliche uh, rap video. <laughs> right, um, I was just watching it. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, girls, boats, uh, liquor. <laughs> Um, but it was really well done, man. The the the, the uh, producer of the, of the video, uh, great uh, equipment. He had these drones, these awesome high def cams, and uh, 
it was a really professional, uh, real professional looking thing. And uh, the videos out, the tracks out on iTunes, moguls. Uh, I, I had a blast. I it almost was. I, I almost like thought, okay, well maybe this is something I can do. I can, uh, you know, I, it wasn't. Uh, I, I don't want to say it was easy, but um, you know, it definitely kind of came came to me as 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 we kept going in the studio. Great. Uh, when did you uh, first originally get into uh, hip hop? Uh, let's see. When I first got into hip hop, I guess uh, I was around 10, 11, 12, early 90s. Um, I, I want to say this is kind of like when the gangster era, rap, gangster rap era, kind of was being ushered in, in in the early 90s. And uh, definitely, yeah. You know, it kind of it kind of spoke to me, man. The the the, the uh, fight the fight the system, the the anger, the all that kind of kind of really 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 stood out to me, and uh, I fell in love with it ever since. Uh, where where were you living at that time? Uh, I was living right outside D.C. in Northern Virginia. Um, and, and you know, I, I still there. I'm still uh, I'm still repping 703 Northern Virginia. So uh, it was uh, you know I think it's just uh, timing in life. And once you once you hear something, uh, some kind of music that really really uh, speaks to you and and uh, you know your surroundings and your environment and and uh, the people around you. You know, you, you kind of get you kind of get sucked in. Who are some of the artists that uh, you really were drawn to at that time? Uh, so originally, um, I, I can vividly remember maybe like one of the first uh, one of the first couple of artists that I that I really fell in love with was Dre and Snoop, and then uh, you know I kind of expanded and, and I and I kind of fell in love with Nas, uh, Tupac especially. Uh, Nas was my guy, and then uh, you know I I also was appreciating uh, the other side of the, of, of the spectrum with. Uh, you know, Common and uh, Talib Kweli, uh, Big yeah. Bull Planets came around, um, you know, Dilated People, so, stuff like that as well. Personally, my all-time favorite hip-hop album, my, my, my top three is Dr. Dre's The Chronic, Biggie's Life After Death, and then probably my all-time favorite is Mob Deep's The Infamous. Oh, classic, classic. Mob Deep was another one. Um, and uh, actually, I... I one of my favorites was uh, the Black Star album with, with Talib and and, uh, and Talib Kweli. So I mean, and, and Most Def that that was man. I don't know that that really spoke to me. But it was you know again it was a, you know it was a different side of the spectrum where uh, you know you had you had your Dre's and your Cubes and and your Pox you know uh, yelling and and you know they're, they're, they were doing their gangster rap and then uh, on the other other side you, you get Talib and Most Def and a completely different style of rap you know. At that time, uh, what's you know the area that you grew up in? You know, describe that area. Was it was it a middle class area? Was it more impoverished? Was it more high class? Well, you know, what was that area yeah, like? It it was uh, it was the cliche middle class area. You know, we we were a middle class family, um, and, and my 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 crew, my 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 friends, my close circle. You know, we we all were kind of cut from the same cloth. You know, no, nobody was. Uh, Nobody was handed anything to them. We we were all kind of, uh, you know, and our families as well. You know, we 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 were out there. We were you know, scratching and clawing to, to make ends meet. And, and uh, you know, a true middle class family. Uh, just you know, especially the area. And it, the funny thing is, was you know, in Northern Virginia, you get two you get two ends. You get your you get your middle class, and then you get your uh, very very uh, upper class. So we 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 definitely weren't there. Uh, but we we were close by to that uh, you know right outside DC and you know that that's a very 
very expensive area and whatnot, but uh, we were definitely a middle class family, middle class area. Northern Virginia was a working class, working class families. Musically, what sort of uh, what artists are you uh, feeling these days? Man, I you know I was, it was uh, it's interesting. I was just talking to my buddy about it, and and some of the the rappers that are out now, um, you know, it doesn't really speak to me. And actually, for the last couple of weeks, I've been in this mode where I just kind of have been going back and, and, and listening to some some of the 90s stuff. Uh, the other day, I was I was listening to Ready to Die. I was actually, it's funny you say that. I was, I was listening to Ready to Die. Okay. Um, let's see. I, the other day, I was uh, playing Illmatic again. Uh, I don't know. Some of the and, – and people may hate me for this, but, you know, I really, truly appreciate a guy like Drake. And, uh, and uh, I, I appreciate uh, a Wayne. Uh, but but some of the other I don't want to name any names, but some of the <laughs> stuff that's coming out right now really doesn't speak to me. Oh, I understand where you're coming from. There's, there's only like <laughs> yeah. a, there's only a few like guys these days that I'm uh, really feeling. Have you heard these two guys um, from Buffalo, New York, uh, um, Conway and Westside Gun? No, no. Very grimy, very street grimy but they drop a lot of references uh, i mean like a lot of um wrestling references oh is that right in their music but it's not corny or cliche or anything like yeah they, they'll just drop it in the middle of some some street shit like or even and, 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 I've, and i've noticed that that's like becoming like i don't know it's so much nowadays i hear it all the time now it's like every rapper is a wrestling fan which but, i think is awesome yeah and uh there, there's like a parallel that i wanted to even ask you about um um, when it comes to sort of indie wrestling, especially right now, and I feel like we're in this really amazing period for indie wrestling stuff outside the uh, the WWE un- umbrella, and absolutely, and these shows, if you go to them, because you know the re- inter- the wrestling fans on the internet can be probably some of the most negative people ever, but sure. When you go to an actual show, it's all love, and it fe- it's very much like a hip hop scene or a music scene. It totally is. Yeah, I totally agree with you. It's, it's a it's a really good comparison. Have you um these days with uh, kind of like this influx of the of the indie scene? We're in a really great indie scene where there's a lot of talents. Um, there's a lot of good organizations that are all sort of differentiating, like different from each other. Like, sure. sort of, uh, you know, describe what you've seen out, you know, uh, traveling, going to different companies. How How is indie wrestling different right now than it has been in the past? I, well, you know, I think it, it, it's, it's catering to, and I don't know if it's on purpose or not, but it's kind of catering to a broader spectrum where, you know, you, you get your fans that uh, do watch wrestling on a Monday night or, or Tuesday night, but then you've got, uh, you know, you've got fans that, may not watch wrestling on television, but they want a fun night out on a Friday night or a Saturday night, and they want to be uh, entertained. And, and pro wrestling, is, you know, an independent wrestling show is kind of uh, their outlet. Uh, kind of, kind of, you know, when uh, when we ran into each other at, at AIW, Kelly, you know, yeah. uh, that, that crowd, you, you could tell there's a lot of diehard wrestling fans that are watching every week, but then you could also tell, just, just looking out in the crowd, that, there's some people that only specifically are going to be coming to these AIW shows here in Cleveland on a Friday night, you know, right. they, 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 they want to be entertained and they want a night out. And, and, and this is something different. It's something special. Uh, I think it's, it's catering to a, a broader spectrum of, uh, of, of, of an audience that just isn't those guys that are such a hardcore wrestling fan, but you know, somebody that is, is wants to be entertained by something nif- different, something new. Uh, there's characters that speak to them. 
you know, that there's there's uh, action that speaks to them that they kind of they, they know they're not going to get that kind of action on a Monday night wrestling on, on television. So it, it's so much different than what you see on TV, so much so that, you know, WWE is kind of trying to emulate that, you know, with with the cruiserweights and the NXT and stuff. So that that I think really shows uh, how prevalent and how special, you know, independent wrestling has become lately. Right. How did you originally get into wrestling? Uh, so you know, I it, you know, the, I guess the, uh, the the same old story. Um, I, I grew up loving it, loving it, loving it, man. So from the uh, from as far back as I can remember, my, my my dad was a wrestling fan, so it would always kind of be on in the television around the house, and uh, you know, I fell in love with it. It was always on. So uh, I, I was 18, and uh, you know, there was a wrestling school that was just opening up in DC. Uh, which wasn't very far from me, and uh, made the trek over there, and kind of got trained uh, the, the the proper way. Which is, uh, you know, people may not know that you know to be a pro wrestler, you've got to go to school, just like any other trade or skill that you want to learn. You go to school, you get trained, uh, you learn the ins and outs, and then uh, you kind of get thrown to the wolves and see uh, see if you can last and see see what you can make of it. And, uh, things snowballed pretty quickly, and you know, 15 years later, I'm still at it. When did you uh, make your debut uh, in TNA? Was were they still doing the wild side, uh, wild style, uh, excuse me, wild side uh, like NWA uh, mashup sort of yeah. thing when you were? Yeah. Uh, so when I I, I started uh, TNA in two thousand three, I want to say the fall. It was about October two thousand three. At that point, they were about a year old, and uh, they were still running the Wednesday night pay per views in Nashville. And you know, it, yeah, it still was NWA uh, TNA at that time. Uh, and then, uh, I, I was there, uh, full time for, you know, and I thought I was there for, you know, maybe a week or two. Cause that time they didn't have any house shows or TV. It was just the Wednesday night pay-per-views that they would run every week. And, you know, I thought, uh, you know, I get a couple week run out of this, but it turned out to be, uh, about say, six years. Right. Yeah. Looking back, cause you were, you were a part of that core sort of X division talent. That was pretty much the backbone of that company. With yeah. you know the Samoa Joes and uh, AJ Styles, Christopher Daniels, and um, go on, go on. There's a ton. Of, there's a ton of talent that was a part of that. You know, looking back, right. what was you know what was your best memories of that time at, with TNA? You know, I, I I don't know if there's a specific memory, but just the fact that you know we were all were were striving to you know the, for the same goal. We were all kind of on the same team. We, we were the underdogs, and uh, you know we had a special product, a different product that. Uh, you know, we felt was 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 really reaching. You know, the the lost wrestling fan that was out there that that uh, wanted a change and wanted something different, wanted to uh, witness something they hadn't seen before. Because at the end of the day, guys, some of those guys, you you know, you mentioned, including myself. You know, we we weren't hired because we were big names or or superstars. You know, we were hired for for you know our skill level at pro wrestling, and uh, it was great that Tina gave us the outlet to kind of show that skill. And, show this different side of pro wrestling where which you know truly was pro wrestling you know we, we were good at that and they they, they kind of let us have the ball for a little bit and uh you know you could say they took it away from us a few times but uh <laughs> yeah the x division really set us apart from what else was going on at that time it's crazy now that um of that group that's there, you have someone like Samoa Joe who's in NXT, then you have someone like AJ Styles who people were always thinking, when is he going to be like the WWE guy? And now he's finally in WWE as a champion. Yeah. And I always think back to, I, um, 
I, I seen this uh, match between you and AJ Styles in a, a AML uh, from like, yep. I'm not sure, it was a couple years ago. You guys had a great match, and then after the match, he totally got on the mic and gave you props. Uh, yeah, for yeah. your talent, you know, how did that feel, and how does it feel to see someone like AJ Styles be a champion in WWE now? Oh, it was it, it, awesome. It was awesome feeling. That was actually uh, the first time that we had a singles match. You know, I, I, all these years, you know, me and AJ, we've had uh, we we've been tag partners. We've we've done other multi-man matches, but we never had a singles match. And it to me it was special because you know at the time, and I still believe this today. You know that that match was, I believe, a year ago, and and I and I said that then, and I'll say it now that he he truly is, and I and for the past maybe two or three years, he's literally been the the best wrestler on the planet. So it was, it was real special to to wrestle him in a one on one match, at, you know, while he was at the top of his game, uh, which he still is, you know. But and uh, over the years, me and AJ have become good friends. You know, we've been we've been friends for. Gosh, ever since I got to TNA, so you know, over over ten years, and uh, it's it's great to see him in the position that he's in because uh, it's something that you know all of us have believed and uh, felt that uh, he deserved that he deserved for so long, and you know, uh, it's it's happened. Cream rises to the top. Great. Yeah, I don't want to time burglarize you anymore. Uh, where can uh, people find you online? Yeah, uh, I'm on Twitter at uh, at Sanjay Dutterson. Uh, Facebook, if you put in Sanjay Dutt, uh, I'm there. Um, I got a pro wrestling tease, Sanjay Dutt on there. If you want to support, buy a shirt. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm always on there. Tweet me. If you want to book me for your event or your wrestling convention coming up, Sanjay Dutt at msn.com. Uh, hit me up. We'll talk hip hop, wrestling, whatever it may be. Great, man. Thanks for coming on the podcast, man. Thank you, Kelly. I appreciate it, man. All right, man. Good luck on the road. So that was the interview with Sanjay Dutt. All right, moving on to uh, what's going on this weekend. Uh, there's a bunch of cards going on in Bellator, uh, UFC, Invicta. Uh, Bellator uh, 165, um, the headliner for that's going to be uh, Benson, Henson, Benson Henderson versus uh, Michael Chandler. Mm-hmm. That's kind of tough for me because I like both of them dudes. I met both of them guys, um, Michael Chandler. Both of them, both of them was super cool, but Michael Chandler was like extra cool. You know, he knew I was with Mo, and um, I walked up to him. I was like, um, he was like a King Mo guy, right? I was like, man. and uh, his, you know, I said, man, um, I said, you might, have, you know, we get a get a pick. He was like, yeah, come on, so. This girl took my phone. She said, I'm going to hold this the long way. She said, we got to get your shoes in the pick. Your shoes are awesome. I was like, oh, shit, this is pretty cool. <laughs> pretty cool. But my, my, my Michael Chandler, he, he's a class act, uh, along with ben, Benson Henderson. I'm not going to pick a winner because um, I like both of these dudes. Right. It would be dope to see Benson Henderson um, become, you know, I mean, to be UFC champion, to be – a Bellator champion, uh, and where where did the WEC? So he'd be a triple crown winner if he wins um, the belt tomorrow. So it's going to be interesting. Um, I just want to see a good fight. May the best man win. Uh, yeah, I'm excited for it, man. But I, I'm I'm excited to see Michael Venom um, Page tomorrow, man. Oh yeah, that's um, the co-main event versus uh, Fernando Gonzalez. And MVP is that deal. And, uh, 
you know, people talk about Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. MVP has way more accolades than Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. So um, that's a guy that needs to be on people's radar. So if you haven't heard of MVP, tune in to Bellator tomorrow at 9 o'clock for the co-main event. I think you'll love his fighting style. And, uh, yeah, he, he he's that deal. You know, MVP is that deal. Yep. Moving over to uh, UFC, they got two cards actually going on uh... – on uh, Saturday, uh, one in uh, Northern Ireland and one in Brazil. Uh, the first one's going to be uh, headlined by uh, Musasi versus Hall. Uh, their second uh, bout. Who do you got this time? Um, you know, you already know what I'm gonna say. Uh, oh, oh, this part too. Yeah, because because uh, Hall caught him with that. Hall caught him and knocked him out the first fight. Um, you know how what I always say, man. I always root for the guys that my guy beat, you know, because it gives me more leverage to say, you know, my boy beat Gegard Musashi for a world <laughs> title. Um, so um, I think Gegard, man, I think Gegard is on a winning streak right now, and I think he beats Uriah Hall if if he stays focused and don't get caught. And then uh, the other card that night's going to be main event by uh, Bader versus uh, Nogueira. Um, would I be wrong to say who really cares? <laughs> and apparently, this is their second bout. Uh, their second bout together. Uh, I'm gonna go ahead and pick. I'm gonna pick Bader. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna pick Bader. Um. Uh. Yeah, I'm gonna pick Bader. I think. I think uh, the Nuguera brothers kind of like hit a wall. Um, with this being uh, Little Nog, I think Little Nog, this might this might be his swan song right here. If he loses, it might not be no more Little Nog. So we're gonna see, but I, I'm picking uh, Bader right now. And uh, oh, I did forget to mention this. Apparent, um, I guess on the prelims for Abellator, uh Kimbo Slice's son's gonna be finally making oh, his debut. Oh yeah. yeah! You know what? There's been a few hiccups already oh. because. Uh, his previous uh, opponents haven't been making weight, you know, so they uh, he's looks like it's finally gonna happen. Yeah, weigh in should be the day, man. So we didn't know if this dude make weigh in at seven o'clock. That should be the time that they uh, that they uh, weighing in, or unless they did it early. Um, um I've seen uh, I've seen one of his fights. I'm curious to see. Overall, I think he has a better shot to be a better fighter than than his father, because um, he has more of a complete game. He has a stand up, and he has, uh, you know, he has wrestling. Right. So, you know, wrestling to me, wrestling is the best space for anything. When you're talking about throwing hands, so you know, he uses wrestling to set up a ground and pound. So, I think we'll see a variation of his father and. Um, you know, you, you, I think you'll see a, a, a better rounded slice tomorrow. So um, I wish him luck. His father, uh, I, met, I met his father once. His dad, I met his father in Houston the, the, uh, this past May. I mean, excuse me, this past uh, February. Me and Mo was out there for uh, the fight that he had with Dada, man. And, you know, he treated me well. And before, after the fight, um, every everything was uh, everything was lovely and cool. So, 
Uh, it's sad that we lost somebody like that in uh, mixed martial arts, you know, to something like a, you know, enlarged heart. And, uh, you know, it's, I think his son is going to carry that legacy over, man. So good luck to him tomorrow, and uh, I'll be tuned in to watch it. Definitely. Uh, let's move on to, uh, to some pro wrestling. It's uh, Survivor Series weekend in the WWE. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm actually going to be traveling to uh, Toronto to attend the NXT TakeOver. Uh, I'm not going to cool. be able to make it to Survivor Series, but I'm super excited for NXT TakeOver. Uh, it's going to be uh, going to be headlined by uh, Shinsuke Nakamura versus Samoa Joe. Um, that's definitely. <laughs> I'm, man, look. That's gonna be a That's gonna be great. Look, I'm gonna be in attendance, so I'm gonna be so I'm gonna literally be like soaking up that entrance from Shinsuke Nakamura in person. Oh my god, <laughs> man, dude! I gotta be look. I gotta be a part. When that when that time NXT coming to coming to Michigan? Oh, I have no idea. They they usually just sort of like. Spring it on them, uh, on us, and then tickets go on sale like be, two days later, I and then they sell out. You I know? have to be, I have to be a part of a, a Nakamura show, man. Oh. That, that, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm, I fucks with him, man. But I fucks with Samoa Joe too, man. Right. Samoa Joe, he got the. I always say this: he got the hardest intro music and. <laughs> His shit is just so hard. Like when you hear it, you you ball your face up. Like what's that? Like I could rhyme on that shit. Like really? <laughs> yes. And, and and they're both amazing artists in, in their own right, man. Um, yeah. NXT. Um, I, I'm curious to when um, Joe's gonna get that call up, man. I, I want to. I would love to see some more Joe go against Brock Lesnar. I oh. think that would be. So many of us want to see that. That would be, man, that would be, like, hella fine if we got an opportunity to, to, to see that. So many know? of us want to see that. And then um, also going on at TakeOver is um, another meeting between The Revival and DIY, uh, Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa. It's going to be a two out of three falls match for the NXT tag belts. Their match before mm-hmm. at the previous takeover was literally my favorite tag match of this year. And really? I can't wait to see this again in person. And it's going to be two out of three falls. Like, these guys are all great workers. Um, I'm a big fan of Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano. And I, I love the revival because they're very, like, they're very reminiscent of, like, Ole and Arn Anderson type of wrestlers, you know? Beer money, too. Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> they remind me of beer money a lot. Speaking of beer um, money, Bobby Roode's also on the card, and I can't wait to see his, uh, I can't wait to see his uh, entrance in person. And he's going against somebody who's so super underrated and such a hard worker and such a great worker in Ty Dillinger. Oh, Ty Dillinger. Yeah, he, he is uh, underrated. Big time underrated. Um, yeah, NXT is the shit, man. I, 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 I like NXT. I like what they, what they do. Um, is, is my girl, my girl will be on that card. Who, uh, Asuka? Mickey, Mickey. Yeah, Mickey, Mickey James, James is going against, uh, um, Asuka. 
Oh, man, I love Mickey James, man. She got, man, man, who? <laughs> I'm excited James. to see how that, how, that, how that comes about, man. It's like, man, like Asuka's a beast, man. I always feel like she's going to legit hurt somebody, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She, she reminds me of uh, a female uh, Shinsuke Nakamura. She reminds me of her yeah. a little bit, with a little bit, you know, with a, with a little female touch, you know. Um, but I just want to see Mickey James, man. <laughs> yeah. Mickey James. I'll be looking at Mickey James like, yeah. <laughs> hey, Mickey. <laughs> hey, Mickey, you so fine. Oh, yeah, hey, Mickey! And then they're gonna, uh, <laughs> and then they're gonna have the, the the tournament finals of the Dusty Rhodes Classics with the Authors of Pain uh, versus uh, TM sixty one. Um, I'm actually super interested in this uh, um, this match. Uh, Shane Thorne from uh, from TM sixty one. He had an incredible match on NXT a few weeks ago with uh, Roderick Strong. Um, mm-hmm. after, um, Austin Aries got hurt, um, got his eye busted from Shinsuke. Um, I've seen that. That's yeah. Instead of having a, a tag match, they just, um, for the, for the tournament, they had uh Shane Thorne from TM61 go against Roderick Strong and it was such an incredible match, you know? And I'm, I'm so, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see the evolution of both of these tag teams. You know, you got these two beefy guys. That are managed by Paul Ellering, you know, and it's it, it's it's kind of cool. Yeah, but you know, um, the problem with that, and I hate to even be like this, man, because you know, you know, I'm a Paul Ellering guy. Right. I love Paul Ellering, but Paul Ellering only looks right with the Legion of Doom. Of course. I don't care who. I don't care what big guys you put next to them. They're not hawking animals. So when I see something like this, it makes me go to the left. Because when I see these big monsters, they're so stiff in the rain. You know, (laughs) it looks like they're trying to hurt people. Um, They're almost too beefy, you know? It's just like... (laughs) Yeah! It's like, yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong, hawking animal was scary, but it it was more... It was more to them than just like everything was just a perfect match, man. You link when you link Paul Ellering the big dudes like that. The first thing us traditionalists are going to think, man, here we go with some more Royal Warrior biters. And for me, I don't, I, I, I don't like that type of shit, man. You know, it, I mean, could they possibly be a great tag team? Sure, you know, but. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I think us fans will forever look at them as oh, you just want to. You trying to copy off the Royal Warriors? That's just <laughs> how we look at it, right or wrong. That's just how we look at it. Right. And uh, moving on to the Survivor Series, um, we got the big. What, what, how do they build it? This is fantasy warfare between Brock Lesnar and Bill Goldberg. Oh my God. I think we need to pray first and foremost that we have a good match. Because yeah. the first match that they had was just so horrific. And I don't think a lot of people remember that first match. A lot of people was kids during that first match. Right. And they don't remember that. So 
If you go back and replay that, you'll see how horrible it was. I really just hope um, Bill Goldberg has a great showing. I think he's been missed in the sport. I think he lost a lot of years not coming back early. Um, but I'm happy that we're going to see this again. I just hope that they don't um, make it a pushover match for Brock like I'm hearing that they are. Yeah, that's the things that I'm like, I'm always curious about now is that, like, does Brock want to put over anybody anymore? And is that all we have to, uh, you know, expect from Brock Lesnar is that he's going to win every time? Like, there's there's one thing to be like an unbeatable beast, but then there's one there's a thing where you just kind of expect it to happen, and you're like, eh, this ain't cool anymore. Yeah, just um, I mean, you just never know, man. I don't think I don't think Brock wants to put anybody over. If he if he put anybody over, you know who it should be, Samoa Joe. Oh, definitely. He should put Samoa Joe over, man. I would love that. But uh, I mean, we 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 gonna see how that shit plays out, man. But uh, it, it's gonna be interesting, man. Come Sunday, man. I'm I'm curious to see what we're gonna get. You know, maybe 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 we can get a, a another spear. Maybe we can get a, another jackhammer. You know, maybe maybe it can be a fantastic match. Maybe you, you just never know. I think. Uh, we're we're definitely gonna find out on Sunday, man. And uh, I, you know, I'm just hoping for, I'm hoping for a good show. Right. Yeah. Before we uh, go to the the actual traditional Survivor Series uh, elimination matches, um, there's two other matches that have implications in regards to titles and each of the brands. Um, this is something I'm sort of excited for because I hope it happens the way that I hope it happens. You got the Brian the Brian Kendrick versus Kalisto. It's a it's for the cruiserweight mm-hmm. title, but if Kalisto wins, the title and the whole cruiserweight division will go to SmackDown, which I hope happens. <laughs> I don't think it's enough time for us to see a lot of cruiserweights on SmackDown. I think the three hours uh on Raw gives them more visibility than to trying to squeeze them on the two hours of live SmackDown. That's just me. But no, I don't. Um, but I think there's more of a when it comes to the cruiserweights, the way those guys go, there's more of that competitiveness that fits on SmackDown better because it's kind of it's kind of hard to do the sort of storylines that are raw driven on with these cruiserweights, mm-hmm. and it, it doesn't seem to be working. You know, I feel like they would be more, um, more comfortable on uh, on SmackDown. And when you have somebody like uh, Mauro Ranallo as an announcer, he knows how to yeah. he knows how to sell these sort of wrestlers. And I think that's what mm-hmm. I think that that's what why why they would you know fit on SmackDown more. I feel like they could they can mm-hmm. fit those guys properly yeah. onto that product, you know. So I'm hope I'm hoping Kalisto wins and that it all just plus they're also doing that show afterwards, uh two oh five live that's centered around uh the cruiserweight division um after SmackDown on the on the on the network. 
So, oh um, yeah, yeah, you're, you're right. So I mean, I, I think it would be it would probably be better even for that show if there was a taste of the cruiserweights on the show that plays just before it, you know. So yeah, that that makes sense. And then um, then another fight that they're having, uh, the Miz actually won his I seen it. his Intercontinental <laughs> title back from Dolph Ziggler this past Tuesday. So he's going to be going against uh, Sami Zayn for the uh, Intercontinental belt. And I think that's going to be a see, pretty all, good fight. But see, all that, all that really means is, you know, they didn't want two fan favorites going against each other, and they didn't want Dolphin. They didn't want Sami Zayn to win the belt from fan favorite. Okay, right, I get exactly. That. So on the, say again? Yeah, exactly, definitely. You know, so I, you, you see that. So does this mean we're about to see the Intercontinental Championship on Raw? Yeah, that's what it what it fucking means for the most part. And I don't really know how I feel about this. Wanna know why? For whatever reason, Sami Zayn reminds me of uh Al uh, 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 uh hardcore Bob Holly. Remember remember Bob Holly? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when I see him come out with that goofy music and then this goofy tights with the checkers and like, what the fuck? What is that? Like, what? Uh, I, I don't know. It's something about Sami Zayn. When I see him, I get mad. Like, why? Why do? Why do we cheer for this guy? He's like, I don't know. I like him. He, I, he's somebody that I think. I hear he, his music. I get mad. I, I think he's someone that kind of. <laughs> I think he's someone he kind of appeals more towards the kids. You know. Yeah, and stuff yeah. like that. He's a fun. He's kind of a fun. He's a competitor though, but he's kind of like a fun-loving guy sort of thing. So and he only, you know, one of the things that I don't, it's like they watered him down a lot on uh, on Raw. Man, I used to love to see him dive between them two turn uh, buckles, you know, from the floor to do like a like a like almost a tornado DDT. Oh like, yeah, I used yeah. To love seeing him do that shit in NXT. And then it's like you don't see him do it often anymore at the Raw shows. It's like, man, where where did that go, man? Where did that Sandy thing go? Oh yeah, but we still get get the tights and and the music. And, like I just wish I could make over a lot of these dudes. I'm tired of <laughs> tired of Roman Reigns coming out looking like he, you know, looking like the shield all over again. Your own guys, your own guys have. have have um have um they've all transitioned into something else. They they've all you know like you know Seth Rollins own entity. Um, Dean Ambrose he still kind of looks the same, but that's who he is. Yeah, you know uh, Roman Reigns is. I don't think we'll ever cheer for this guy ever. You know, the little momentum that he had, you know, as you was now see that would be nice. How about the US championship go over to SmackDown? Like SmackDown needs something other than the world title and uh I mean, I hate to even be like this, although I like Rhino and and Heath Slater, you know, and they're over but it's a waste of a tag team division. 
I'm not really excited about the tag team division over in SmackDown. Right. You right. know, I'm just not excited about it at all. I could live with it. I could do with it, do without it. It's not going to make or break me, man. The only thing I care about on SmackDown is AJ Styles. <laughs> AJ Styles, champ. He's the face that runs the place. The champ that runs and the camp. That runs the camp. That's right. All right, when it comes to the uh, to the Survivor Series elimination matches, the traditional Survivor Series matches, you know, are you Team Raw? Are you Team SmackDown? Uh, uh, I'm SmackDown, man. And the reason being, I can't root for any team Stephanie McMahon is behind. I'm not a Stephanie McMahon person. I, right. you know, uh, I rocks with. The champ. I rocks with the real champ, not the universal champ, not the paper champ. Right. Not the guy. Not not the guy who we just go give a belt because we don't want to give it to this guy because of whatever. You know, I I runs with 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 my man AJ Styles and, and his team, man. So SmackDown all day. Definitely, I'm I'm definitely Team SmackDown. But when it comes to the tag team uh, elimination match, I would not be mad. If Team Raw won, if in the end it was either Cesaro, Luke Gallows, Carl Anderson, or any member of the New Day who won, who was the last man standing, um, or, got, or got the pin, or actually got the pin to win the, uh, I would not be mad if Team Raw was the one that win, wins the tag team match. Uh, I, I will go on to say that I agree with you with that. Yeah, if any of those guys uh, get the final pin, I'll be fine with that. Mm-hmm. I'm with that. And as far as the women, um, you know, I didn't realize Nia Jax was The Rock's cousin. Yeah. I had no clue that Nia Jax was was. Was uh, or had no literally no idea that Nia Jax was that they were related. Yeah, she's in that um, family. She's in that that whole family. I guess. Uh, I guess I'd be rooting for uh, for Charlotte. It's hard for me to root for um, uh, the the female Enzo. What's her name? Carmella. Yeah. She's super corny, man. Oh my god, Carmella's corny. But then again, uh, old girl is corny too. Uh, what, what's her name? Snoop's cousin. Oh, what, Sasha what's Banks. What's her name? Uh, you know who I'm talking about? Yeah, Ex-champion. Sasha Banks. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Sasha Banks, the the, the boss. Yeah, corny. Um, oh, <laughs> wait, did you? Uh, wait. In regards to this, did you see? I, did you see on a SmackDown? When Team Raw came in and was uh, laying the beat down, and Bailey got in the middle of it and was starting to do the beat down. <laughs> now I seen when Carmella uh, initially jumped on uh, her partner, and then Raw started beating her ass. I mean, Carmella jumped on her opponent. Yeah. And then I seen. Uh, then I seen the Raw competitor start beating her down. Right. Uh, I, I I I think it. That turned my stomach for a minute, so I, I really didn't. Uh, I don't. I don't no. remember. Uh, Bailey. What did Bailey do? No. Okay, was it was funny. Okay, it was it was uh, Carmella versus Nikki Bella, and then all you know, 
shit went haywire. Team Raw, you know, came into the ring and started uh, beating down on Nikki Bella. But the funny thing is, during all that, like, Bailey was a part of that, that, that mob beating down on one person. And that's totally against everything we've seen from Bailey. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. And it was the funniest thing ever because we just, the, Everybody on the internet just blew up on that. We're like, holy shit, Bailey's over there just putting a beat down. She's she's a part of the mob. That's not what she does. Hey, man. Yeah, yeah, wrestling will have you fucked up for a minute, man. (laughs) (laughs) It was the funniest shit. It was was the funniest thing ever, man. I'm like, what the fuck? Wait, Bailey's up. Wait, that's Bailey right there. That's not even how you rock. Man, they, you don't even get down like that. What are you doing? You don't know about that life. Come on, man. No, no, yeah, no. Exa- a- a- exactly. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe we can see uh, Shane O'Mac with a crazy elbow on Sunday. That would be great. I always root for Shane McMahon, though. That's I like Shane O'Mac, man. But I'll I'll say this: the um the the confrontations that um Team Raw and Team SmackDown, the main um singles competitors, had at the end of both. Uh, on, on each shows were really entertaining, especially at the end of Raw. Agree. They were really good. I really enjoyed it. Definitely agree. And then um, this Tuesday, we also had um, the return of The Undertaker on SmackDown. And, like, this guy... I didn't know, look, I, I didn't know what to expect because I had been seeing the stories just like you, Undertaker right. surgery, Undertaker walking around with a cane... So when I seen that, I was like, oh, shit, is he going to be okay? And, you know, I mean, he didn't look like he was walking ginger. He didn't look like he was walking soft. He, typical Undertaker style. So, you know, I don't know. I didn't get where he was going, where he said he didn't want um, the WrestleMania to define him. Well, it's a little bit too late for that because you've been doing the same match for over 20-some-odd years. So, that is going to define you in some instances, man, especially when you, your title reigns have been super short. So I, I've heard something like that the Brothers of Destruction are going to be re, re, reuniting, and we, we, you know, I'm curious just to see what's going to happen with The Undertaker in these next couple months. And if this is this swan song, I hope he go out with a bang. Right, because it's cool, because he kind of came in the ring, he, you know, Everybody always gets chills with that entrance. It was the greatest entrance of course. ever, you know. And he gets in the ring and kind of gives Team SmackDown a motivational speech, like an Undertaker motivational speech. And, and then basically told him, if you fuck up, y'all got me to deal with. I love that because he, he, kept, he kept it uh, like totally open-ended. Like after, mm-hmm. after Survivor Series, you have no idea what's going to happen with The Undertaker. True. And I love that. True. They finally gave us a little bit of intrigue in regards to that. So that's that was one of the things that I liked about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's hard not to get happy when you see The Undertaker. It definitely is. Right. Like, even even AJ Styles was trying to hold in how, like, he, he was marking out in the ring, man. He was trying not to show it. Of but... course he was. Look, he was smiling. It's like, because he's a fan. Like, that's what be the genuine shit about wrestling. You can tell when somebody's a fan. And to see to see AJ smiling like that, it was like, wow, that's pretty fucking cool. That's cool. 
Yeah, definitely. And to, you know, sort of close out this uh, podcast this week, uh, there's, you know, there's something I wanted to discuss. Uh, did you hear about that, uh, the the thing at the Evolve show with uh, Joey Styles? Uh, didn't he get fired or something like that? What did he say? What did he say yeah. uh, live? Because, uh, you know, Joey has a history of uh, saying some things right. and, and, and getting called out on them. Okay, um, this is at, uh, you know, at Evolve's uh, recent iPay-per-view. So there's, you know, a couple hundred people at the venue. Then it's also an internet pay-per-view. So you have people watching live, you know, online. Um, he made this comment, and this is, you know, just days after the, uh, the election is over with. Um, mm-hmm. You had the ring girl. Her name's Joanna. He, was, he said something to the effect where he's like, you know, girl, you look so good, you know, Something like to the fact of our president, just like our president-elect, you know, I might want to grab your... And then he cut cut himself off, and then he said... He evaded to the word pussy by saying it's something that we call... Something you call Stokely Hathaway, one of the other talent. Oh, in a, wow, wow. And so so basically, wow. you know, without him actually saying it, he's saying, girl, you look so fine, I want to grab you by your pussy, you know? Grab by the pussy. And... First off, um, the the owner of Evolve, uh, Gabe Sapolsky, he mandated by, to everybody, no political talk at our events, because he wanted he wanted that place to he wanted their events to be an escape from all this crap having to do with the elections. So first of off, course. he mandated that no jokes like that. But then for uh, Joey Styles to make such a rapey joke like that is is just very is is just horrible and what's what the problem was after it is the debate that came after it you had a lot of people whether it's wrestling fans or people or other wrestlers saying oh you know this is blown out of proportion or this is wrestling anything goes blah 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 but the thing is this isn't ECW 1996 anymore. Like we've, totally we've evolved, we've matured as fans where we like, we, we don't need to hear rape, rapey jokes at a wrestling event to have fun, you know? And mm-hmm. there's still a lot of people saying, you know, stuck in those old ways where, and he also, he got fired by uh, evolve. He got, he also got um, fired by Chikara pro and look, Chikara pro, they're an indie organization. I think they're out of Virginia or whatever. They have all these wacky gimmicks, like mm-hmm. wrestlers who are ants and shit like that. They are proud of the fact that they're a family friend, a family friendly organization. So how can you trust somebody who makes a rapey joke with being a part of an organization now when you're a family friendly yeah. organization? Um, That's real. Because in like even also like. If even if you go back to the ECW days, um, and not to rationalize the shit that was going on um, back then, but to a certain extent, whether you're working for ECW, um, a part of the show, or going to it or attending the event, you know, you had an idea that Bubba Ray Dudley might call you a fucking whore who sucks dick. You know, that's something oh, you, yeah, you expected. <laughs> there was pretty much a consent that happened with this shit that happened mm-hmm. with uh, Joey Styles. It was unscripted. The ring, the ring announcer Joanne didn't had no idea he was gonna say it. 
that you know that fosters a very uncomfortable work environment that women have yeah. to deal with all the fucking time anyways and you and you're going yep. to your job being a part of this wrestling thing that's actually something that's supposed to be an escape mm. you got to deal with that shit you know and then yeah. afterwards right. and then afterwards Joey Styles ah. did apologize but then he still didn't understand that uh, how why people were upset by it you know so this whole idea that it's wrestling, any joke goes or anything, that's just an outdated sort of thing. And it's 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 stupid. And um the guy who runs um Chikara Pro, Mike Quackenbush, he mm-hmm. he's he's actually been one of the first people I've seen come out and say that there's so much about wrestling still that is very archaic and outdated in regards to, you know, things like that. So I'm glad that he said something like that because there is a, it needs to evolve in that sense. And I'm the you know times I'm, have changed. Times yeah, have yeah, changed. I agree. Yep. And it's I've been to it. We've all been to enough of these events to where, like, you never leave saying, you know, that was a good show, man. Those insults were good, but you know, I wish those insults were a little bit more rapey. You know, no one ever says right. that. You know, so I I'm glad that all these people did actually were swift and very swift with their, you know, cutting ties with him and saying that we, we are not a part of this. Times have changed. We need to respect Mm -hmm. and foster a safe environment because also there's more women going to these indie shows now and being a part of it. So you can't, Mm -hmm. you can't foster this negative, this, negative uh environment because there's so much there's so much of a rape culture already out there and people need to be vocal about this shit you know mm-hmm. totally agree totally agree with you bro yeah it just it, it, it was just and the the worst part about it was though it was is still there's so many people that are part of the wrestling industry that are still stuck in those old times of glory though uh, you know, it's just going to have to be something that's, uh, you know, practice, you know, for now on, uh, you know, he's always made kind of crazy comments, man. And, you know, back in those days, you know, is one of them things you kind of like overlook. Now we're extra sensitive about everything. So, you know, we live in a politically correct world, man. So, you know, you, you definitely have to change the times. Right, and and a lot of times I don't really agree with, you know, when people just automatically throw back the whole politically correct argument or the pussification of America thing in regards to shit like this. Because it's like, mm-hmm. no, no, it, it isn't that hard to not be an asshole, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. it, it's just, You're just being lazy. If, if you do jokes like that, you're just being lazy. Right, right, right. So I know I'm glad I'm glad that you know there was people who really stood up swiftly about it, didn't let it, mm-hmm. didn't let it go on extra long, and then you know, oh, you know, oh, we totally are against that. No, no, they were like, no, we don't like this, and they even and on the replay for the Evolve show, they even cut that from the show um, instantly. Real talk. So, yeah. As they should. As they should. 
So yeah, I'm yeah. It just it's just something that needs to be because yeah, I've I've been to and it was it was fun. And this was like one last point in regards to this. I was uh somebody uh the guy who owns uh the AAW uh uh company in Chicago, and I've been to a bunch of their shows. And t- to me, they're the best indie promotion in the Midwest. I uh, mm-hmm. he he um. He tweeted about it like, you know, you know, are we, you know, blowing this out of proportion? You know, I think, you know, it's wrestling. And I hit him back and was like, yes, you're wrong because we don't need to be going to, uh, you know, shows and hearing rapey jokes. And, and then I went on to tell him, I'm like, you with AEW, you guys are one of the best indie organizations. And I never hear this from you. And you're you're definitely proof that. You don't need to have these sort of jokes to have an amazing organization. And then what, what disappointed me was that he hit me back saying, well, under all that logic, you would, you would think that you would say that intergender matches would condone domestic violence. And I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> that, that makes zero sense. Intergender wrestling matches, first off, they're all consenting adults that are going into right. a match and they've and it's a work. They know what they're going to be doing. So none Indeed. of that equates to domestic violence at all, you know. So some of the some of the ways people are trying to rationalize this shit is fucking crazy, man. So it I I'm just glad that people move, you know, move swiftly with with uh with it all and voice their concerns that this is wrong and we need to move on, you know? Yeah. Life is, uh, it definitely has changed and, uh, you know, I don't know. That's why you got people like me and you to call it out. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. Definitely. All right, man. I think that's, you know, about it for this week's uh, episode of fresh is the word. V Styles, tell me where you can uh, where t- tell everybody where they can find you online. Hi, you can reach your man V Styles at Twitter forward slash V S T Y L E Z. You also can hit me on Facebook.com forward slash official V Styles with the V S T Y L E Z. You can hit my regular page on Facebook with just a forward slash V S T Y L E Z. And you can hit me on Instagram with the forward slash great thanks for listening and remember no episode next week due to thanksgiving so see you in two weeks fresh, 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 fresh is the word